now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist Scott Sharp. Welcome back to Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Greg Richard joined by Scott Sharp as per usual. Great to see you again, Scott. Good to see you. Good news. I got that pyrethium spray. Good, good. And then a quick little spray of those zucchinis over the week. Yeah, did the little beasties die on you? Uh, I haven't checked that yet. I just sprayed and walked away. Mm. But I've got, I had to get rid of two zucchinis because I think they must have got into them. Okay, best way to do it, spray, walk away. You don't want to see the poor little thing suffer. Exactly. I'm not a monster. No, you're not, are you? <laughs> what do you got for us today, guys? Well, I thought we'd talk about winter grass because it's uh, getting towards the time to treat it now. Uh, disbudding your Camellia japonicas. And I mentioned some uh, beautiful Camellia gardens down in Sydney, so we might go over those in a little little bit more detail. Excellent. Then we've got Gary from Heat and Greeter. Now he's got a box hedge that's yellow after he trims it. Doesn't yeah. sound too good. Gary, tell us a little bit more about it. It looks really nice. Yeah. Um, it's growing well. It's, it's very healthy. As soon as I trim them, I've got two, two long, quite long hedges here in front of the house. And as soon as I trim it with my trimmer, which is a uh, Aldi uh, cordless one, uh, they go yellow on top. It sort of died, like died, you know. Okay. What what sort of hedge exactly is it? Said a box hedge. Is it the uh, Buxus japonica, the larger leaf one? Oh, I don't know. Ah, okay. <laughs> it's yeah. a, I think it's a smaller leaf. Um, just looking at it now, but uh, it was all it was here when we moved into the house. So I'm not sure what they are actually no yeah okay that, that's all right look there, there's a few uh, different buxus around there's uh, buxus microphylla microphylla some people call that korean box it's the very small leafed one only gets to about oh 30 40 centimeters high and very slow growing uh then right, there's yeah. buxus japonica which is i guess the japanese box and uh, it's uh, actually can get quite large down at the botanical gardens i've seen it actually grow into a tree about two to three meters tall but a long time to get to that uh, right. Makes a very good hedge. There's also English box, uh, which Ooh. has a slightly different and darker leaf, but uh, look doesn't do too well here in the humidity and needs, uh, you know, more dry conditions, I guess, to to grow. Also has a uh, peculiar thing about it that uh, in winter the uh, the leaves smell like cats, cats, right. wee wee. Oh, oh yes. that's not nice. No, it's not very nice at all. So no. I don't usually recommend that one. I always go with Buxus japonica uh, because you can keep that quite low as well. Now, as to why yours is yellowing off after giving it a good old trim, uh, look, it, it just could be that once you've exposed those leaves in underneath, uh, mm. they weren't quite as hard as the ones up on the top. You know, they've been exposed to the sunlight and to cold falling on it. And then all of a sudden you've cut that off and all those leaves in underneath are now being exposed. They haven't got that beautiful umbrella over the top of them. Right, like, like taking a jumper off. Type yeah, of I guess so. And then all of a sudden mm. they feel a bit cold, they yellow off, but uh, generally they should come back. Uh, yeah, they, come, they, they do come back. Um, just they, they, they sort of look like they're dead on top, you know, for that um, period of time. But yes. they're really, really healthy. But they're, it's a yellowy-looking hedge. It's a yellowy, uh, greeny colour, you know, like, that, that colour. But when, they, when I do trim them, it just goes that real dead look. Now, the other thing, have you thought about giving uh, the, the hedge a feed? Probably not at the moment, um, but right. as we get into, you know, August again, that would be a time to give it a feed. Uh, Buxus actually like a bit of cow manure. Um, all right. So, yeah, if you've got some cow manure around, uh, give, spread that all over them. Uh, you know, don't be shy with it. Um, give them a good feed. And right. uh, that should, uh, you know, try and cure some of that yellowing as well. Right, yeah. Well, I thought it might have been something to do with the, the hedge trimmer being, you know, only a cheapie. It might be sort of pinching the... 
the plant rather than actually um, cutting it. You know what I mean? Yeah, look, with hedge trimmers, uh, I have got some experience with them. Uh, you just have to make sure that the blades are really sharp on there and right. that you're not going uh, through, you know, anything thicker than a pencil, pencil for instance. Because yep. what happens is those blades really aren't meant for cutting heavy things like that and uh, they will open up uh, if they have to cut something uh, too thick. So just be careful about that. Alrighty, it's only, it's only new, so it's um, it's, it's happened twice now. So yeah, but ge- yeah, well generally a, a brand new hedge trimmer, you know, the blade should be nice and sharp. Uh, yeah, just yeah, just make sure you're not going through anything too thick, any branches too thick. Alrighty, and we'll give them give them a bit of uh, feed around about August. Yeah, perfect. Alright, Scott. Okay, Great, thanks, mate. Thanks for that. Cheers. Bye. Yeah. Bye. And we've got Steve, who from Barsley, who wants to know the best time in winter to prune his roses. Hello, Steve. How can we help you? Good day, Scott. We'll have to get you to turn your radio there and do this too, Steve. Oh, yeah, just a minute. It's a lovely echo, isn't it? It is. It's like we're in a cave of some sort. It's going through my ears right about now (laughs) into my brain. (laughs) Oh, Steve, how, how can we help you, mate? I'm the bloke that named a rose after you all, actually, and Greg. Oh, excellent. Good. <laughs> very good. Glad I wasn't left out. <laughs> that was that was last year, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, very good. And it's going quite well. Good, good. It's at my friend's place. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I'm still teaching the rose lady about pruning. Yes. So I want to go up soon and just show her more about winter pruning. Yes. So when's the best time? Yeah, so with roses, uh, I often say, you know, wait as long as possible. You definitely need them to be dormant. Uh, so with your uh, hybrid tea roses, that's a little bit easier than the Florabunda roses like Iceberg uh, because they just seem to keep on going and going. Oh, they haven't got any of them. Ah, excellent. Okay. So the hybrid teas, once you see all those leaves start to drop off and they're just a bare plant, that is the time to do it. Now, generally that is in July sometime, uh, late July, early August, and that's the best time to prune. You don't want to leave them too late uh, where you see new buds starting to burst back out again. So I always think that last, you know, fortnight of July, first week of August is a great time to prune your roses. Right on. I shall give her a call and say, righto, we got an appointment. Okay, great. Now, always remember, you just go nice and hard when you're pruning in your winter prune. Uh, you yes. give them a good feed with some poultry manure, moving that away from the trunk of the plant and also spray them with lime sulphur uh, to seal up the cuts and uh, get rid of any scale that's on the plant. Yes, I always check that for her. Excellent. Okay, and look, as uh, the uh, the year progresses into July, we'll talk about that here on the show in a little bit more detail so everyone knows how to prune their roses. Fantastic. Okay, thanks for that, Steve. Thanks, Scott. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Steve. We've got Marie from Tea Gardens, and her Hoya plant is dying off. Marie, what are you doing to it? Oh, good morning, Scott. Oh, I had it growing. It was growing beautiful for quite a few years. Yes. The climbing here. Uh, loaded with flowers, the birds loved it. Then it started dying off, mm. and um, I cut it back, and it's in the pot still and green, but not growing. I mean, I did fertilise it with sea salt. Yes. Prior, um, 
I'm not quite sure whether that was the problem or what, but it's green uh, and just not growing. It's only about a foot high. And when did you prune it back, Marie? Oh, last at the end of last year. So it's been quite a few months. Oh, okay. okay. I thought you might have just. I thought you might have just pruned it back last month or something, and no, it's it's sitting there no. on you. Uh, no. Look, don't be concerned. As long as the plant's still nice and green and healthy, that's all we want. That's our first sign of life, I guess, for the plant. So we've uh, ticked that box. What I would do rather than feeding with sea sol is get a fertiliser that's a bit higher in nitrogen. Uh, there is one called Flourish Green and Growth. Now, what that's going to do is actually promote the, the green and leafy growth of the plant, and that's what you want it to do at the moment. Right. Well, the, I, I had one here for flower, flowering that so you the green flourish green yes yeah that, look that's the best one to use just to get that growth happening for you hoyas are a really really tough plant that really waxy uh, thick leaf they've got uh, yeah it surprised me because it was growing beautifully and it was growing about you know like six meters along the veranda and flowering beautifully yeah and then it just started to sort of uh lose its color in that and go down and I'd got, uh, cut it back and it's just never grown since that and that's been probably six or eight months but it's still sitting in the pot green mm. but not spring out any shoots or that so yeah that, that's re- really funny I mean it, it should have started to come back for you I'm wondering if originally it uh, you know started to yellow off it might have been a bit hungry needing some fertilizer might have had some scale or some insects uh, you know attacking it because it becomes a vicious cycle if a plant becomes a bit hungry uh, they become more susceptible to insect attack. So I'm wondering if that might have been the initial case. Yeah, but no, it was growing beautifully, yeah. and then it just started, the leaves started to go really sort of pale green on it and down to almost pale yellow and yeah. uh, soft. So and, and that's I why, that's why I'm thinking... That sorry, that, that's why I'm thinking it might have needed a feed at that point in time. Yeah, but I was, I was feeding okay. it. That's why I thought I might have fed it too much, but... Uh, what about water? Because it's on the front veranda mm-hmm. and the rain blows in there when it rains. Yeah. Um, maybe it's too wet or, or should I repot it? Or Well, I think if you're fertilising, that, that should be good enough. Uh, hoys are really tough. They can handle being, you know, pot-bound and, and living in very poor conditions. Uh, look, as far as relying on the rain blowing on veranda, I would say, no, that's supplementary. Uh, you still need to go out there and water it properly. Yeah, it's quite, it's always damp. I stick my finger down in and it's always damp, the soil. So anyway, I'll just give it a go with this uh, flourish green growth. Yeah, See how I go. Yeah, sea salt's fantastic for the root system of the plant, but not necessarily going to promote that uh, that green growth that you need. All right, OK. OK. Well, thank you very much for that. That's right, Marie. Have a nice afternoon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Marie. Gardening talk back on 2 and you are at FM. 49216216. We've got Kath from Toronto, and she's got Lily Pilly with black soot on it. Hello, Kath. I know your pain. I was cutting a Lily Pilly down over the weekend for a friend. Yeah. yeah. And it was covered in the black soot as well. Tell me what's happening with yours. Okay, so um, we planted a hedge of about. All 15 lily pillies, I would say, about four years ago. There was one existing and then other garden. We're on a corner block, so we needed to have a hedge for privacy and our fresco. Uh, lovingly planted. Now is a magnificent hedge, about five foot high, I would say. 
Um, and about maybe two years ago, it started to get the, what they call it, psyllids or something like that, the little horrible insect. Yes, that's correct. Yes, so we went and got some advice and started to spray the plant with both um, malathon mm-hmm. and also malathon and white oil. That's correct, yeah. Now, that seemed to help for a limited period of time. My partner was probably doing it fortnightly. And then when the drought started to hit sort of 12 months ago, they advised us to pull back the wood chip, put some um, soil soaker or soil softener, I think it's called, and some manure. Yes. And and just keep the water up to it because we've got a tank water. We're able to keep the water up to it. Yep, good advice, good advice. Yeah, and we're now in June... And, look, it's still so prevalent. It seems to go from one end, we seem to be able to catch it, and then next minute it's at the other end, and you can actually see all the the dead bits and pieces. And we didn't want to pull them out because you'd be able to see through the whole lot if, if that was the case. So we don't know if we're not giving it enough of the white oil and the malathon or if we're giving it too much or... We're, and and it's, it's been our pride and joy, pretty much, which is funny to say, but yes, it, it, it has grown just beautifully. Well, we don't want anything bad to happen to it in that case. By what you've told me, it sounds like uh, you're sort of dealing with one side of the equation. Now, when you're getting black sooty mould on a lily pilly or any plant in particular, there's usually the reason that it's happening, and that is the scale insect that you mentioned, uh, yeah. and you've been spraying that with uh, malathon and white oil mixed together, and that's keeping the, the scale somewhat under control. Mm. But what happens is that that scale insect actually secretes, uh, I guess, like a little sweet residue. Yeah, out of very it. sticky. It's very yeah. sticky, yeah, and the ants yeah. come up to feed off that. Now, those little yeah. ants actually bring the sooty mould spores up off the ground uh, because they're wandering around down there with their six little legs, and right. then up the uh, up the tree they go, or up the the uh, hedge they go, and they do, they spread those sooty mould spores around, and then it takes over. Right. Now, what happens with sooty mould is that it, it then spreads out over the leaves of the plant. Uh, the plant can't photosynthesise as well as no, it might like right. to. Yeah, and it becomes sicker and sicker and then the scale takes hold and all, all of a sudden you're in this vicious cycle. You know, you're sort of plummeting from 30,000 feet, two engines are on fire and things aren't looking yeah. very good. And what we did try was the simple mixture of some detergent with water and then leaving it on and hosing that off. And that got a lot of it off, but of course it's come back. So So you you need to keep on doing doing the uh, malathon and white oil mixed together. And Uh, how often? Well, look, I, I would think probably every two to three weeks uh, okay. just as a preventative to keep it under control. But mm-hmm. in conjunction with that, you need to be using a fungicide like copper oxychloride or mancozeb. I'm just writing this down. That's Could right. you spell those for me? Uh, copper is in the metal. Yeah, and, yeah, and copper. oxychloride, O-X-Y-C-H. Yeah, chloride, yeah. Yes, yep. And. You spray that, oh, there's another one called Mancozeb. They both do the same job. And they provide a, I guess, a sort of a a coating over the plant. It's a fungicide, and that will keep the sooty mould under control. Generally, what you see is uh, after 
oh, you know, five or six days, that black sooty mould actually starts to dry up and peel off the leaves and you can go and flick it off with your fingernail if you need to or you can just hose it off as well. Okay. But it sounds like you've got a bad case, so you just need to be doing the malathion white oil and the copper oxychloride uh, in conjunction, not in the same sprayer, but you have to use them... Not in the same yeah, mix. ...in different no. mixes. Not now, same. Often, and, and about the same uh, fortnightly? Yes, you could do that. Yes. You could do one one week and one the other week the if next. you wanted to, yeah. Yep. Now, okay. just a, yeah. a little tip with the uh, copper spray. It often comes in a powder, so what I do is in the bottom of the spray, I put in the amount that I need and then okay. get some hot or warm water, just a small amount, so that it dilutes and then add the rest of it with cold water so that it doesn't, uh, you know, not dilute and clog up the spray on you. Wonderful, yes, because we've done everything possible lovingly, but mm -hmm. we just can't seem to get on top of it. So, and as I said, it's our only privacy and it's wonderful. So that's great news. Oh. I will give that copper oxychloride a try. Okay, fantastic. We don't want your pride and joy to be sick anymore. <laughs> that's right. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. We've got Jan now from Morissette and she's got a question about hydrangeas. Hello, yes, Jan. How can, we, how can we help you? Um, uh, I've got a hydrangea and, it, and the, all the leaves, it doesn't matter, the new ones coming on, they get a white sort of a yeah. Or something, like a, a, mil you, a mildew on them, would you say? A powdery mildew? Well, as soon as you wipe it, it'll come off, yeah. you know, with your fingers. But yeah, every time a new one leaf comes on, it's got that on it. Yeah, so look, we were talking to the lady before about fungal problems on plants, and it sounds like you've got exactly the same thing. You've got either powdery mildew or downy mildew uh, on your hydrangeas. Uh, mm -hmm. They are a little bit susceptible to it, especially in uh, humid areas. So what you need to do is get a fungicide. Have you got any in the uh, in the shed? Um, no? I'm not sure. No, that's probably, all right. Okay. Yeah. So, look, you do need to get a fungicide of, of some type. Uh, I would suggest Mancozeb uh, for that one. It starts with M, that one. Uh, so it's a, it's a fungicide. You just spray it uh, every couple of weeks, and that will keep that uh, downy mildew under control for you. Good, yep. thank you. Probably no great reason to do it in the middle of winter when they've lost all their leaves. The okay. other thing you might want to do as well is give the soil around the base of the plant a spray as well because that's where the, the fungal spores are and they, they sort of get splashed oh. back up into the plant and take over. So, um, all right. Sometimes they're windborne as well. You know, fungal spores just get blown around. Uh, but, look, treating it with that mancozeb will do the trick for you. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jen. Have a nice afternoon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Good afternoon. How can we help? Yeah, hi. How are you going? Very well. All right. My question for you is, is um, we had a lovely mop-top robinia, you know what I mean, in the uh, in the backyard. It was probably, you know, half a metre in diameter, so it was a fair age. Yes. It was just starting to lift the driveway and a few things around the place, so I decided to cut it down. Mm -hmm. But I'm sort of thinking I shouldn't have, I should have tried to poison it first before I cut it down, and now it's... It's suckering all over the place. Some some suckers are as far as twenty meters away. Ouch! Yes, they do do that. Mm. And I've I've gone to every little sucker and scratched the bark on them. You know what I mean? And then put straight roundup on every yes. one of them. Yep. But it's still they still seem to keep coming. Yeah, that, that's a problem. So look, sorry. How long ago did you say you uh, actually cut it down, Scott? Yeah, probably it'll be getting on to nearly six months ago now. Okay. Look, what I what I would do is go to the trunk. Is the trunk still visible above yeah, the, the soil? Sure is. I'd go to the trunk. What you need is a product called Tree and Blackberry Killer. 
Right. Uh, yep. you, you're going to mix that up with some Kero or diesel uh, mm-hmm. as per the instructions on there. Yep. Uh, what I would do is then go to the trunk with your drill with a fairly hefty hefty drill bit on there, mm-hmm. uh, yep. probably 10 mil, you know, 12 yep. mil sort of thing, yeah, and yeah. dig and bore some holes down in there. Hopefully it's still green in there. Yeah, okay. So a number of holes into that, and then you just carefully tip that tree and blackberry killer into those holes, go away for an hour, come back and sort of top it up again. If there's any other surface roots around that you can find, mm-hmm. uh, you can also gently drill into those as well and get that mm-hmm. tree and blackberry killer in there. Now, what that's yep. going to do is go through the sur- go through the system of the plant that's existing mm-hmm. under the soil mm-hmm. and hopefully kill it out and get rid of those suckers for you. Okay, yep. What I did, I did get told by another you know, garden friend of mine. Yep. He said, "Look, don't go any deeper than six mil into it because that's where the, like the feed feed line is, you know, on the bark." But when I cut it down, I, I actually got the chainsaw and, and buried it into the centre of the trunk and got, went down easy three hundred millimetres, you know what I mean, and then poured straight round up in all of that and painted it all on. I thought that would have killed him, and he said, "No, you've got to just go into the bark lightly and." do it that way yeah look my, my understanding of, of roundup especially is that it works better on the on the foliage of plants and yeah, is yeah. absorbed in that way i have heard stories where there you know that you do get some result from painting it on and it gets absorbed right. in but mm-hmm. i i think for your situation now that you found yourself in uh mm-hmm. tree and blackberry killer is going to be the best bet uh look for people who are thinking about cutting down a plant otherwise uh if it's a pest Yep. Uh, the thing to do is cut it, and then yep. when it's still fresh, then drill and get that tree and blackberry killer into it straight away. Yeah. I'm thinking yep. that part of that trunk might have died off now, and you're just going to be putting it into hardwood. So, uh, look, just have a sort of a prod around with the drill and see what you yep. can find, and be ready to uh, to poison it with a tree and blackberry killer. No problem at all. We'll give it a go. Okay, thanks for that, Scott. Good luck with thanks it, mate. Thanks for your time. Okay, yeah, no problem. Okay, bye-bye. bye bye. Cheers, thanks, Scott. Guarding talk back on two and you are FM now, Scott. You mentioned something about bulbs. At the top of the hour. Am, uh, I, am I wrong on that? No, I was going to talk about winter grass. Oh, okay, yeah, winter grass. Winter grass, that's right. We'll talk about bulbs another time. Winter grass. Well, we can talk about bulbs as well. It's that time of year when you need to be putting in bulbs. But at the moment, we're just going to have a quick chat about uh, winter grass uh, because it really becomes a problem in people's lawns at this time of year and into July and August. Uh, so what happens is winter grass is that little tufty sort of plant. It's a, a lighter green than your lawn, and then it starts to get seed heads on it. Uh, most of the chemicals work as a pre-emergent. That means you actually spray around before you see the winter grass coming up. Winter grass sort of takes over because your other grass uh, stops growing in winter. And then when the winter grass dies off, you've just got these bare patches, other weeds then you know, yep. populate that, and it's just problem city. Right, yep. all over for your grass, so you have to be very careful about it. Uh, at the moment, you can still uh, use uh, your uh, winter grass killers uh, to try and keep that uh, winter grass under control. Always good to do it before the seed heads start to come up. I've noticed some of the seed heads coming up. Is best to do it uh, earlier on in the year, uh, you know, towards the end of May, start of June. Unfortunately, we couldn't uh, give you that information here in Gardening Talk because of COVID, but we're getting right onto it now. We're up to date. All over it now. We're over it, all over it now. So, yeah, just uh, if you can get some winter grass killer, you don't want it to take hold. Uh, you certainly don't want those seed heads spreading around. Uh, just try and get that under control now with a winter grass killer. There's a few different varieties out there, uh, but I think... 
uh, it used to be called endothal. It's quite expensive, though, is the only problem with it. Oh, right. Uh, because there's only one uh, use for it per year. So I guess the manufacturer's cashing. find it in an instalment plan or something. Yeah, it's a bit like that, but you do need to do it. Get it. Uh, it can take over your buffalo grass and other grasses quite easily. Right. Or well, you could just mow over the top of everything. Uh, look, you could do that, but unfortunately, if there's seed heads, uh, they'll spread around oh, as well. Yeah. I know you're thinking yep. the easy way, but it's not going to work. That's nah, a shame. Okay. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. We'll catch you again next week. Okay, that'd be great. Excellent. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.